You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. This case takes us to the large market town of Solihull in the West Midlands, England. Home to around 125,000 people, one of which was 22-year-old Renim O'Day. Fleeing the war zone in Syria, she had moved to England with her two-year-old son to meet her mother Kaula and stepfather Mohammed, who had been living in Solihull for 16 years. Described as intelligent and independent, she quickly became well-known in her community and was always doing various things for charity and people less fortunate than herself. Her aunt Noor said that she had a beautiful singing voice and had big dreams of releasing her own music one day. As soon as she entered the UK, she enrolled in college, and between that and raising her baby boy, there was never a dull day for Anim. Her aunt recalled how excited she was to be attending college. It was a fresh start for her and her son, and she couldn't wait for what was to come. While studying at Solihull College, she met Jambaz Tarin. He too had recently moved to the UK, but had actually lied about his age in order to move over. He was permitted entry into the country as a minor fleeing a war zone, declaring his age to be under 18. He was actually 21 years old. He enrolled at the same college, and as soon as he met Renim, he quickly began pressuring her to date him. Initially resistant, Renim eventually agreed, and the pair began a relationship in 2016. He would tell her, When I saw you, I said, This is mine. Despite the relationship being turbulent from the get-go, the pair married less than a year later in an Islamic ceremony. The marriage was not recognised by UK law, and Renim's family said they begrudgingly gave their blessing. Renim's aunt said that her niece later revealed the terrifying threats that had made her agree to marry him. Jambaz had told her that if she didn't marry him, he would finish her family, as well as Renim. After the wedding, Renim confided in her family that she realised she had made a big mistake but didn't know how to get out of it. Already a possessive and controlling person, Jambaz was now becoming violent, and he quickly began appearing on the police's radar too. Renim, once so close to her family, was seeing less and less of them, and the visits people made to her flat were now few and far between. Jambaz was telling anyone that would listen that Renim was causing the issues and was mentally unstable. Even with everything going from bad to worse, Renim continued studying at college, working hard and making sure her biggest priority, her son, was getting through nursery. Soon, Jambaz would be removed from the college when Renim told teachers about his real age. Renim was faced with a huge shock when she learned of his very secret life back in Afghanistan. It turned out that Jambaz had another wife who was pregnant and they already shared three children. In 2017, after a long time building herself up to do it, Renim ended the relationship. Jambaz had been openly bragging about his second life with his friends, laughing at the fact that neither wife knew what was going on. Infuriated that Renim had left him, Jambaz's harassment was now totally relentless and out of control. Renim had moved in with her mum and Jambaz took to sleeping outside her address for 12 consecutive nights, with the neighbours often chasing him away from the street. Renim told people that she felt her days were now numbered. Her family rallied around her and held a meeting with Jambaz in which he agreed to stay away from Renim. This had no impact, however. Although the police were frequently called to intervene and Renim would tell them that she felt like she was in danger, 
she often declined to take it any further than that. A year would pass and things would only get more dangerous for Renim. In early August 2018, with the help of her mother, Renim obtained a non-molestation order against him after Jambaz broke into Kaula's home and smashed Renim's phone up. Her aunt said that Renim had finally found her strength and told the solicitor everything, from start to finish. The court injunction was filed on the 16th of August 2018. This prevented Jambaz from coming within 100 metres of her. Renim finally felt like her life was back under her control. Her hard work had paid off and she gained good results from college as well as her certificates and was excited to start looking for jobs. Renim and Kaula spent the day visiting family, shopping and ending up in a shisha lounge in the evening. Little did they know, Janbaz had been following them all day in a van he had borrowed from his workplace. After hiding and watching them for a while, he walked up to the pair and an argument broke out. He snatched Renim's phone from her and hit Kaula before she hit him back. The fight continued for a while with people looking on. Jambaz was eventually escorted out of the restaurant and set off in his van. He then drove to his father's supermarket and grabbed a 12-inch steak knife. After the fight at the shisha bar, Renim called 999. She told police that despite the court order against him, Jambaz had followed her there and assaulted her and her mother. This court order, unfortunately, could not be found on the police's system. Renim said that she felt her and her mother were unsafe and that they needed help. Where should they go and what should they do? After this, Renim and Kaula were also asked to leave the restaurant as well, and they waited outside on the streets for the police to arrive. Half an hour later, she phoned the police again to say she had left the shisha lounge and she and her mother were now on the way home. Renim asked the police whether they were going to take any action and was told that they would need to see her first. While they were driving home, Janbaz returned to the shisha lounge armed with the knife and, after realising the pair had left, set off in his van looking for them. At 11.42, she made a third call asking where the officers were and that she was waiting outside of her house on Northdown Road. Another call would go through. Police advised Renim to go to her mother's house, lock the doors and call if Janbaz turned up there. In a final call just after midnight, police phoned Renim to say that the officers couldn't get out that night and they would see her at 8am. She expressed concern that the matter was going to be left until far too late, begging them to see her. In that moment, while the phone call was still connected, Kaula started screaming as she noticed Janbaz coming out of the bushes towards them. Renim says repeatedly, he's here, I can see him. Janbaz launched at Renim and began stabbing her in a frenzied attack. Kaula jumped in to try and protect her daughter, but Janbaz turned the knife on her as well. Renim's half-sister and stepfather Mohammed came running out after hearing the screams, only to see the women lying on the ground and Janbaz running away. In the next few minutes, authorities poured onto the streets. There was nothing that could be done, and both Renim and Kaula were pronounced dead at the scene. The head of the West Midlands Police CID described the scene as one of the most brutal and heartrending he had seen in 150 homicides and all his years on the job. (laughs) 
Neighbours were now coming out of their homes reporting to have been woken up by the noise, with some saying they saw a man driving away in a white van. It's very terrifying. Uh, uh, we heard some voices. Uh, well, we thought it was a fox or something, animals. She was a lovely woman. She was a lovely woman. Um, she was quiet. Um, they argued quite a lot, near enough every day. There was arguing, like her screaming, asking, shouting for help. The little boy crying on the balcony to shame. Um, she was really quiet. She just started coming out of her shell. She was saying, hello, you're all right. When she was with him, she wouldn't speak. She'd put her head down. Um, but, yeah, she she was quiet. And, and I know people have their arguments, but this, this is just a shock. It's too close to home. Jan Baz had discarded his bloody clothes and knife before changing into a red jacket and shaving off his beard. Just a short while after attacking Raneem and Cowler, he was captured on CCTV in a takeaway called Pepe's on Beerwood High Street, calmly ordering some food. The only suspect police had was Jambaz Taran, and a huge manhunt was now underway to find him. We are working with Crime Stoppers to offer a £5,000 reward to anybody who might be able to help us with information that leads to the uh, detention of Mr Turing. Uh, we, uh, if anybody has information, if they supply it to Crime Stoppers, uh, and, and it comes to us uh, and results in his arrest, then that reward will be uh, forthcoming. So two things that I really want to get across. The first is to Mr. Turin personally, if he's watching this, um, we will find you um, and, uh, you know, we will arrest you. So make it easy and come in and, and turn yourself into a police station. Uh, and also to anybody who might be working with or assisting Mr. Turin, uh, you're probably committing criminal offences. We will find Mr. Turin, but we'll also find you. Um, so don't put yourself in that position. If you have information, ring Crime Stoppers or ring the police and we will um, move to, uh, to locate and detain him. Police were using everything at their disposal to try and track him down, including a £5,000 reward, and they dramatically increased their presence around certain areas to, in their words, provide community reassurance. Jambaz's van was soon located and forensic analysis quickly began on it. Police searched several addresses linked to Jan Baz seizing computer equipment and mobile phones, but he was still nowhere to be found. He would be on the run for four days and was now one of Britain's most wanted criminals. Soon, a member of the public saw him and tipped off the police. Officers detained him in an alleyway using pepper spray and finally, they had Jan Baz in handcuffs. That's it. Yeah, it's not going to The amount of phone calls Raneem had made to the police that night was concerning to the public, and people wanted answers as to why no one came out. We received uh, a phone call uh, from uh, the victim in this offence. And um, we responded to that phone call, but, but sadly by that time, the victim, the victim had moved on. We uh, then uh, tried, tried to find uh, both the victim and, and her mum, but tragically, while we are on the phone uh, to her, uh, the offence took place. And what we saw was a, a brutal uh, murder of two defenceless females by the offender. This was a pre-planned, premeditated attack where uh, the offender had... Uh, sought the victims out, 
he had armed himself, he had chased them down, and when he found them, he inflicted horrendous levels of violence on them that, that nobody could have survived. So this was a really cowardly, vicious, brutal attack. It's undescribable. It's a nightmare, however you can call it. You know, it's it's heartbreaking. It says, where is Rani? 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 What was the need to take two lives of two pu two beautiful personalities? Rani was known to the authority months and months before that murder happened, as uh, she's been in, in a violent relationship. We want to know why they were let down by the authorities, why they were let down by everybody of that night. And we make sure that doesn't happen to other vulnerable women. The police said they had done their absolute best. On the 8th of September 2018, Raneem and Kaula were laid to rest in a joint service attended by hundreds. We can't really put in words how it's affected us. Um, it's like I always describe it as my sister, for instance, she's like the pillar of our family. And what happens when the pillar goes, everything collapses. And that's the way we, we it, that's the way we feel and that's what we're experiencing at the moment. So I can't really describe to you in words and details how it feels. What Jumbaz has done. He hasn't really killed two beautiful women only. He has killed uh, many families, destroyed many hearts and made a lot of futures in, 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 in a very difficult place. Following brief submissions by prosecutors Annabel Darlow QC and Jodie Anderson, Judge Paul Farah QC told Jambaz, you will be back here before the court on October 30th for a plea and trial preparation hearing. Your trial has been fixed for March 4th next year. But in December 2018, Jambaz appeared at Birmingham Crown Courts. He pleaded guilty to both murders. The judge described the murders as significantly premeditated and sentenced him to life in prison with a minimum term of 32 years that he must serve before he can even be considered for parole. The Independent Office on Police Conduct started an investigation into the actions of the West Midlands Police on that night after the police referred themselves to them. Mohammed Salim said his wife was a wonderful woman who worked hard to make the home a welcoming, happy place filled with love and good memories. Renee Moday came to England looking for a better life for her and her baby boy. She was met with an awful end after fighting for her freedom and life for so long. Noor said of her niece, Just by looking at her, people forget their bad day. She was always smiling, full of life and socialising. Noor now cares for her son and talks to him about Renee all the time. She is determined to not let her niece and sister's death be in vain and works hard to raise awareness for domestic violence and abusive and coercive relationships. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in today's episode surrounding issues of domestic abuse, we have left links to further resources in the description box below.